The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In the latest round of Premier League testing, in which a total of 1,549 players and staff members were tested, six positive results were returned. Those individuals are now self-isolating. Six is the league's lowest single-week total of positive tests since November the 9th. However, a surge in cases in London has the capital city moving to the UK's highest tier of restrictions. What this means for the Premier League is that the six clubs located in London will, for now, no longer be hosting fans. They were originally allowed to host 2,000 fans in Tier 2. Further updates on other regions in the UK are expected this week. Now, this was the reaction to the news from Chelsea manager Frank Lampard. Just got fans back, just kind of got used to having fans back. Um, is it going to be difficult for you and the players to now adjust to playing behind closed doors again? Yeah, I think if it comes in most, I think it will be, and I'm, I'm slightly disappointed. I, even though we're in Tier 2 and we've had fans in for a game already, I, I did feel that it, it should have been a level playing field for fans if uh, some clubs can have them and some can't. We've seen, I think, already or felt it on the pitch, the, the backing that they give you and what it does to the game. And I think that should be pretty level. I also think that we can really, can, I'm not telling the government what to do, but control 2,000 fans coming into a stadium if they're coming from within that tier or whatever, however they want to do that, to keep things moving along. Um, so it's unfortunate to say the least. Do you think, just off the back of that follow-up, do you think maybe it should, football should be exempt? I'm not, again, like you, I'm not trying to tell the government to do, but do you think there's a case to argue? Let's, let's get it right. We are... We are making it up as we go along and that's not to sound critical that's just a fact that we've never been in this position before um, and I think when you're talking about can you control the situation if clubs can control it I think they've shown it so far that they can um, so I, I would like to have thought that there could be something done to make it exempt where we can get that 2000 number in but again that's not that goes above my station I'm just saying what I think now, with that, we welcome you into the studio. Liam McHugh alongside Tim Howard, Frank Lampard. All right, clearly disappointed. You'd expect that. Obviously, health and safety first and foremost. But from a purely managerial perspective, you can understand he'd want fans in there. Talking about a level playing field. Stanford Bridge is a place that holds just about 42,000 fans. 2,000 fans make a difference? 2,000 fans make, make a huge difference. And it was great to see them back at... Frank was a little all over the place there, <laughs> saying he wasn't, you know, he doesn't make up the rules clearly. He, you know, he doesn't. It's hard to say that each Premier League club can be responsible enough to bring in 2,000 fans. It's not really what it's about. It's about the government deciding what's best and what's safest, um, you know, for the public and for these football clubs. And so it's a disappointment that, uh, you know, certain, certain places, certain cities will go into a different tier. And it was almost like they got this feeling of having fans back and we're on the right track. And then that gets taken away from them. That's a, that's a difficult thing mentally for both fans and players. I had a chance to speak to Hoyman's son yesterday, and I asked him what it was like to have fans back in the North London Derby for the first time since March, and his face lit up. And he, he talked about the excitement of, of, of what it means for a player to walk out and see their fans, or even if it's an oppo the opposing fans. It just makes the spectacle and the event so much bigger. And, and 
mentally that's a disappointment. It's a little bit of, of an up and down type of roller coaster. So. Uh, in a, in a year where players have had to deal with so much, this is just something else they're going to have to, unfortunately, put out of their mind and focus on the game. Yeah, there's an energy. There is an atmosphere, even with the 2000. We were just talking uh, before we came on the idea that it almost sounded like crowd noise was being pumped in at some mm. of these places with 2000 fans because they were so loud. But now it's dealing with the deflation of you had fans and now they're taken away. Yeah, and, and, and 2000 fans can make a lot of noise. These are, these are the most passionate fans in the world. So you give them an opportunity that's been taken away from them for so, for so long. They are going to be loud and raucous. And it's just unfortunate that a couple places won't have them. And level playing field, you understand how Frank Lampard could want that, and he wants fans who want a level playing field, but we're not at this point in favor. No, absolutely. Because we see in America where certain stadiums have fans, certain, sure. certain don't. Yeah, look, you, you, they're, they're, at this point, there is going to be no level playing field. If we can get fans into certain stadiums, no matter whether, the, whether you have them or not, we need fans. So um, it's not going to be level, and that's okay. No fans at our matches coming up today, but as I mentioned earlier, there will be fans in Anfield for tomorrow's massive match between Liverpool and Tottenham. Those fans will have heavy hearts. This following the sad news yesterday that former Premier League manager Gerard Ullier passed away at the age of 73. He's adored by Liverpool, where he restored success at one of the most storied clubs in the world. He most notably led them to a treble in 2001, all while earning a place in the Champions League. In 2011, he stepped away from coaching due to health concerns after nine months in charge of Aston Villa. Reaction to the news, starting with former Man United manager Sir Alex Ferguson. This news has come as a total shock this morning. Gerard Ullier was still a young man at the age of 73. He became a really good friend during his time at Liverpool. We remained great friends after he left, and he was always a great ally to have. It is a sad day for the football world and my thoughts are with his family at this desperately sad time. Mention Aston Villa, the last club he managed. They had this to say, all at Aston Villa are deeply saddened to learn of the passing of Gerard Ullier, our manager, during the 2010-2011 season. Our thoughts are with his loved ones at this incredibly difficult time. Former player Jamie Carragher had this to say, absolutely devastated by the news. I was in touch with Gerard only last month to arrange him coming to Liverpool Loved that man to bits. He changed me as a person and as a player and got Liverpool Football Club back winning trophies. RIP boss. And another former player, Steven Gerrard, posted, devastated to hear the news, my former manager, Gerard Ullier, has passed away. I will never forget what this man did for me and my career. And Liverpool's current manager, Jurgen Klopp, also paid his respects yesterday as well. Oh, yeah. It's really, really a really sad day. And um, I didn't know Gerard too well. I met a couple of times. But um, in this few moments, we uh, he created a relationship with me, which was really um, special. And so he's a true Liverpool legend and he's a true um, coaching legend, if you want. So he, he was really influential in the game. Um, and... So great coach, but uh, a, a human being with a really warm, or gave you a really warm feeling when you when, when you were around him. And um, so, yeah, for all of us, it's a big loss and um, a really sad day. 
can feel it in Klopp's words, a man with an everlasting effect not only on Liverpool, but all of English football. His innovation and creativity transformed the clubs he coached, and for the foreign managers who have come after him, his influence will live on. Gerard Ullier was 73 years old. Let's just start right at the end there. Those saves, goalie to goalie, how difficult are those kick saves in that moment? Well, it's, it's, so, it's so tight. Your reactions need to be right on. And, and Sam Johnson, if you're going to go away from home against a giant like Manchester City, you have to have your goalkeeper play sensational. Your back line needs to play well and get their blocks in. That's what West Bromwich did today. Yeah, we were talking about how we miss the fans for every game. You miss it in this moment yeah. because the tension at the end, this mm-hmm. feeling that Man City needs a better result, needs to score, and they have West Brom just hanging on at the end. We went into this, the idea Man City needs a win, but they need a big, mm. emphatic win. Where do they go after a game like this? Well, this is a game where everyone's going to look at Man City and think, you should have won, why didn't you? Well, Give a ton of credit, a ton of credit to West Bromwich Albion. I spoke before the game about how this would have been a very, very difficult week for them to try and muster, put together some game plan that they they could hold on to, to to beat Man City. And the players, credit to them, they believed in it. They would have worked on that back six all week long, and it would have been boring, to say the least. But they did it. They got to Man City, and they stifled, and they frustrated them. Now, Granted, Man City is always going to create chances because they're that good of a team. But as I said, you need your goalkeeper to play well. You need your defenders to play well. And they ended up getting getting a result based on the fact that they hung on to to some sort of hope that they could get something out of it, and they, and they got a deflection goal. 18 goals so far this season for Man City. They came with 17. They had mm. 34 at this point last season. So the opportunities there, does that give you hope that a breakout is not yeah, well, off? I mean, I mean, most teams aren't going to come and, and, and play – 10 behind the ball. Yeah. So uh, the fact that they're creating opportunities, that, that's the one key for me that I think I know that they will break out of this slump because they're creating opportunities. Once they start going in, no problems at all. Nino, well done. Thank you. Dramatic win. How pleased are you with the, the team's reaction to get those three points? Good, good, good. I think we reacted well. We started the second half very badly, almost conceding a goal. A team, the team didn't found themselves in, in that moment totally disorganized. After the first action, we lost the ball. Chelsea had again in a situation. And I think we were able to, to be back in the game, stay in the game, stay organized, because we have talent up front that can, can create problems to anyone. Frank, having got the opening goal in the game, how disappointed you've come away with nothing? Yeah, very. At 1-0, we should see the game out. Was there enough from your side after you scored that goal to really push on for a, for a second? No, no, and not, not just push on for a second, but if you're not playing that well, which you weren't tonight, hang on to 1-0, play, control the game, don't allow counter-attacks, and we did. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to see their first goal again. Was it a corner? I haven't seen it. Um, Chelsea, of course, you two defeats in a row under pressure. What's changed in the last couple of games? Because you were on such a brilliant run, weren't you, in, in the Cup and the league before that? Performance. Performance is what gives you results. And we were playing very well on a long, unbeaten run. And then maybe the lads think we're playing well. And the minute you think you're playing well, things like this can happen. On the positive side, Olivier Giroud, another goal for him. Six goals in five appearances now. Are you delighted with how he's taken his opportunity in the team? Yeah, yeah, for Oli, yeah. When he gets another goal, good contact and a good goal for him, but doesn't feel like much at the moment. And just finally, you've got a chance to rest and recover before the West Ham game on Monday. Will that be important this week? Yeah, yeah. But maybe it's for the players also to 
to think about the game while they're resting. Think about tonight, think about Everton. As I say, this is the Premier League, and if you don't perform, you lose games. We've got a game on Monday. Okay, so he was asked what's changed, and he says performance. You look back at these last two matches, Everton and Wolves, does anything stand out to you as dramatically different? Well, what stands out is that they seem to be slumping, and, I, and credit to Lampard, he's, he's spoken the last few weeks about, like, ease up on this, this whole title thing. And maybe he, there was something in that, and he saw this in his team. Um, you know, he talked there. I found it to be interesting that he didn't think his team was playing well, which is no problem. But they had the lead, so what do you do when you're not playing when you have a lead? Just relax. Just see the game out. Take the sting out of the ball. Pass it around. They didn't do that because he has top players, and when you're a top player, you don't actually think you're not playing well. You think, <laughs> I've got the ability to go on and win the game. And you saw, you saw when Wolves scored the goal down the other end, Chelsea became so wide open because they just believed they could win the game, and that wasn't the case. Wolves, such a great story last mm-hmm. season, and within that is Nuno and his leadership. Get a good look at that again here today. Well, we talked before the game. Jimenez is the headline, the fact that he's missing. They haven't scored in the last two games without him. Who was going to step up? Podence, Neto, they needed to. Today was, was fantastic, and Nuno will, be, Nuno will be in that dressing room, patting him on the back, saying, job well done. Pat, what's your reaction to the result? So close, of course, towards the end, uh, a couple of excellent saves by the goalkeeper, but you couldn't get the win. Yeah, I stepped back. Uh... Uh, yeah, uh, we didn't create much in the first half because we set back a lot of people. We struggled to win the second balls in the long balls all the time. We struggled to win the second balls. But uh, yeah, at the end, second half, we did everything. Unfortunately, we couldn't score. What was missing a lot, do you think, in terms of uh, the offensive play? A scoreable. Of course. But what's behind that? What, what, no, what, we're great what? enough to win the game. So, 26 shoots, I think, 7 or 8 on target. So. Uh, we did everything, but at the end, we have to put the goal. We're struggling on that, so and we have to continue focusing and being optimistic. At the end, create chances. At the end, we're going to score. Do you feel close to your best, or are you concerned that you're not close to that best that you've shown over the past few years? How, how big are the margins? Yeah, you don't have to be so clever to see that the margin is a little bit not like the two seasons ago because we are able to score up games games and, and winning games and to this year we struggle a little bit more is that confidence no in front of goal no so Sergio's injured four months five months we have just one striker our quality of the players in the middle is completely different uh, but we create the chances in all the games we are better and we are there but unfortunately we could not score did you think Gabriel Jesus uh, there might have been a review a penalty review from VAR towards the end? They told me this. I said uh, the referee, the assistant, but uh, I'm not the referee, so I, so I don't know. I didn't see the action. The people told me it was penalty, but uh, I didn't see it. When you look at the league table, you're five points behind the, the top two as it stands right now. No, it's not about this. So we want to be there, up there. These games you have to win. All respect with Bromwich. So you have to, to win this game, so we know it, so we drop points um, sometimes uh, fairly, but the other ones you have to be win the games to be in there. It's not far away to the league, of course not, but you have to win games and at home against Romic, if you want to be there at the end you have to do it, but still 
is in we are in early December and a lot of games to play and uh, yeah it's not a stop and for days another one and you have to continue it is a freak season though in a way isn't it uh, Ilkay Gundogan said you look around Europe a lot of the the normal the clubs that normally are leading leagues uh, and in, and getting win after win aren't doing that and Manchester City are one of those clubs uh, there are many yeah we know it so this situation is weird for everyone so but uh, yeah I think we played to win the game, we deserve to win the game, but we didn't win it. So, uh, football is the end results, we, we judge in the end results, but at the end, uh, yeah, for the, the players that we have, we create chances, we were there, but it was not enough. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. You've got to be really pleased with yourself as well. I mean, there were many saves in there, but, um, you know, two big ones from a Gundogan header and then a Sterling header right at the end. Yeah, of course, yeah, look... Um, it, it, you know, I'm buzzing with that. You know, it's it's got us the the draw. Um, you know, but um, like I said, the lads ran. They ran. You know, the socks off. And um, you know, we we rode. I look at times, and you know, that's what we're, we're here to do. We're here to compete. Um, you know, and like I said, we're we're buzzing with that result, and uh, hopefully we can take it into you know more games. Slavin, your 100th Premier League game as as manager, as we mentioned yeah, to you before. Um, I, I can't imagine you've been too prouder of a team. Yeah, uh, in, that, in that century? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there have been some good performances. And uh, once we when, we, when I was with West Ham, we won against City away 2-1. Uh, but this was, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the boys because uh, we asked from them before the game to believe. We asked from them to work hard for each other. We asked from them to try to frustrate them. We asked from them to wait for our chance to, to penetrate, to score or to create chances. And we've done everything, mostly defending, of course. We defended as a unit. Uh, we defended individually. We were helping each other. We were trying to create situations two against one uh, to help each other. And we also counted, of course, on Sam Johnson, who is, who is our big, 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 uh, big asset. And, uh, but that's what you need when you come to Etihad, if you want to get anything out of the game. So we saw West Brom get the result yesterday, get a draw against Man City. Big moment for Slavin Bilic, but clearly this was a decision that was made before that. We were talking about this yesterday, Tim. The situation that they were in, that Slavin Bilic was in, it's not all on him. Mm -hmm. Slavin Bilic is a good manager. Never liked to see uh, a manager get sacked, lose their job. There was clearly some disconnect between him um, and not only the board, but actually the ownership group. It's a long way to go in this season, and, and they're fighting. They're, they're picking up points here and there. Um, they're, not, they're, they're right in the thick of this, this relegation fight. I'm surprised to see them go, but because of the, the turmoil you hear internally, um, again, then, then again, not surprised. I, I just, it's not all, it's not, not all on him. They recruited last year to get out of the, out of the championship second division uh, in England, and the players they bought were championship players. And so, therefore, when you go into the Premier League, and, and you're and you're already talent-wise below standard. This is gonna. This this can't all be on Slavin Bilic. Yeah, I just don't like it. I mean, it, a good manager that's popular, Tim, popular mm -hmm. with the fans, with the supporters, hasn't been given the funds to strengthen this squad adequately to have a real shot of staying in the division. Dean Garner was added for some money, but was still there last year. Carlin Grant is a new striker that they did bring in, but even so, it's still not a big amount of money. They're two points from safety. There's 25 games left. I mean, it's. 
you know, the, the, the fans enjoy the way that he plays his football and his style and what they're trying to do. He's trying to figure it out like they all are down there. Scott Parker's making changes to personnel and systems, trying to find a formula. Slavin Bilic is in the middle of that as well. And I understand it, Tim, and now it's confirmed that Big Sam is amazing. The amount of times you've said Big yeah. Sam's coming in is amazing. <laughs> but he is coming again. He's never been relegated. He has done it before at Sunderland and Crystal Palace where he's done the right things to let them stay up. I just, I just don't know, Tim, with this squad, mm. whether this time... I don't know whether he will keep them up because it's, it's, a, it's a different sort of squad that was built for being expansive to playing yeah. football. But that is all going to change instantly. If you have this level of players and you're not spending, do you have to play a style like we saw yesterday against Man City? And do you have to play that game in, game out, which would seem to lend itself to Sam Allard? Well, it's what, it's what Robbie's saying. This is going to be – we're going to see pragmatic football – don't give the ball away in your own half. Get it up to the front. How many penalty area entries can we uh, can we make? And then ultimately you win games by not conceding goals because the ball's not in your end. It's ugly. I've played against it. It's miserable, but it works. And it's sad because obviously West, the West Brom fans would want attractive football. They're not going to want that. And, and it's short-term. It's a short-term plan because the ownership group wants to stay in the league. They're not really maybe worried about the fans. Maybe to sell the club, by the way. There's talk That's about possible. selling the club before. And maybe this is all desperation. We want to be a Premier League club of course. To, to make my chances of selling it more optimistic. I just think longer term, Tim. Don't, don't West Brom fans think about longer term. Yes. Do they, do they I, want, I just wonder, be fascinating, do they really, really want to, at all costs, with a different manager, they've, they've blown that up now and, and a new guy comes in and the football's going to be different. I'm not sure what happens in this season if they stay up or not with Big Sam. Is he going to stay there? 18-month contract, but who knows? I well, just think sometimes there's a little bit more desire for some longevity and some longer-term plans. Yes, and, and sadly, Everton brought him in as well. But it was, it was to keep them afloat for six months, keep them in the Premier League, and then they went out and got Angelotti, and now they're seeing the results of that and, mm. and reaping the benefits. So it can work. Yeah. Final thought. If the goal is purely just to stay up, are they better off with Allardyce than they were at Bilge? <sighs> Probably, because the pragmatism has worked in the past, and he's good at it. I just, I just think this time might be one, one club too many. Yes, they'll stay up with Sam for sure. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Jose, so close. How do you sum up tonight? So close of winning. Yeah. Yeah. Not so close of, 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 of a draw. So close of winning. But we, we miss the chances. We had the chances. We had the game under control. A draw would be a bad result in relation to the, to the performance. So you can imagine how we feel with, um, with the defeat. But... Um, very good performance, um, of course, with with some uh, mistakes, with some things to improve, but a great performance and um, a very, very unfair result. Have your team then told you they have title credentials here? No, my team told me that 
I am right when I say from the beginning of the season that we go to every match to win. And tonight we played against the champion in, in their stadium and we came here to win and we had the best chances to win. And um, the chances of Steven Bergwin are, are great chances just to speak about these two. And the way the team was was organized and the way the team surprised them also tactically, the team was brilliant. So yesterday I was telling how many days of work they have with Jurgen, how many days my boys have with with me. And today it didn't look that it didn't look a team that is champion and that was uh, European champion and world champion. That difference was not on the pitch. So, therefore, you would expect the Spurs team to be in the running throughout the season for the no, title, wouldn't you? I expect you? the Spurs team in the next match to try to win it again and to do that every, every game. That's what I expect. And in the end of the season, we will see where we are. No more than that. But you know these players, and these players were in a Champions League final not so long ago. Most of, the, most of your team... Five. Yeah? Five. Uh, that's the, there's still a lot of experience in that side, though, isn't there yeah, now? Five. And five you adding them. in your mentality. Five of them. Uh, this is a new team with um, a different way of play, a different way of sync. And uh, we are together for not a long time. And to be able to do what we did was fantastic. Um, of course, the result is the most important thing. And the result is, is awful. But the way the team uh, perform, I'm happy. You had a word with Jurgen Klopp at the end. What were you I saying? told him the best, the best team lost, and um, he disagreed. But uh, that's his opinion. Um, uh, by the way, if uh, if I behave the same way on the touchline like he does, I have no chance to stay there, and I'm out for 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 a minute. In, in what minute sense? After. Because Jurgen was very animated at the end of the first no, come half. Come on, Is that's that... animated. Mm. That's animated. Mm. Or do you want me to take the the, um, say, the table with the with the time from the fourth official hands to see what happens to me? You say it's overstepping the mark. No, I'm saying that uh, that for some reason I am different. That's the only thing I say, and that's sad. Thank you, Jose. Thank you. All right, gonna bring in Arlo and Graham. I assume you were listening to that same press conference that we were just listening. Right there's some interesting comments. Obviously, calls out Pep Guardiola from yesterday. But you know, a few things that stood out, guys. Unfair result, and that he told Jurgen Klopp mm. the best team lost. Your feelings on that? That's yeah, that's clearly what he was saying to him at the final whistle in that in that little exchange. By the way, he talked about the days. He went into his press conference this week very prepared for the message that he wanted to give as usual. It, it, Klopp's been in charge, he said, for 1,894 days against Mourinho's 390. So we had all the, the facts and figures worked out. Um, he has a very different way of trying to win a game of football mm. than Jurgen Klopp does, doesn't he? That's fair. Is that fair to say? Uh, I think it's fair to say, based on the evidence. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. And, and look, you, you, it's, it's about how you get the best out of your team. And he believes that the best way of his team winning football matches and being consistent is by playing a style of football that is based on really hard work, the players buying into discipline and I think stifling the opponent mm. and then springing these really quick counter-attacking um, uh, opportunities. But can he say that his team deserved to win that game? Uh, I think if you look at the chances, I think they had the better chances mm. over, over 90 minutes. I mean, the more clear-cut chances, absolutely. 
But in terms of the way the game is played and the dominance and the way Liverpool poked and probed and had to invent to break down a very stubborn defence, um, you have to say, I think, from a pure football point of view, what mm. would you enjoy watching? Or from my point of view, what team would you enjoy playing in a bit more in order to get the result? And, and it would be Liverpool. And I think that they earned that result. It was always going to be tough for them. They knew what they were going to come up against. And football sort of that style of football won against a more pragmatic counter-attacking football that created a lot of chances on, on the night. Yeah, Roberto Firmino, I've got to say a word about him. He doesn't <clears> score <throat> that many these days at Anfield. That was a really good header. That was a terrific header. Real determination and, and desire to win to win that uh, win that header. And, and again, they tried everything, Liverpool, didn't they? Uh, you think that the opportunities they created in, and the craft in that, in that first half, harder for them in the second half. I think Tottenham will go away feeling very disappointed they didn't come away mm. with a point. Um, but Liverpool will be mighty relieved that their style won the day. So, uh, thank you, Graham. And thank we you. wonder if Jurgen Klopp has been made aware of uh, uh, Jose Mourinho's post-match thoughts. But the two did have a conversation, didn't they? The champions are three points clear. Let's hear from the Liverpool manager, Jurgen Klopp. Well, Jurgen, intense pace. You got the points. How do you feel? What a game, eh? Um, against a counter-attacking monster, um, so we have to be. And with the possession we had, it's just incredible. We did incredibly well, I have to say. It's exactly where you have to play against them. Yes, they had scored a goal, um, which was again a really tight offside decision. But it all, yeah, against us, um, had probably two more chances or so. Good chances where. They're just good. But apart from that, we, we control the game in, in, with the ball, which is just incredibly good. And um, so it's a massively deserved three points, and I'm really happy. The goal they scored against you first half, was that exactly what you <laughs> talked about and exactly what you warned your players about? Yeah, but that's... In the end, I, so I saw it now once. For me, it's offside. I, cannot, I, I know they probably they watch it 20 times, but um, when the moment when I saw it, it was it was offside. But um, in the end, it's really difficult to defend it. There's nobody to blame. You just have to try to. The best way to defend Tottenham is to keep the ball all the time, pretty much, because when you lose it, you see how they always go. And the boys did incredibly well. So there were so many interceptions in, in, in the, in the centre where we won the ball, when they tried to chip in behind, Reese far really there, calm, didn't drop too early, because that if you do that, then they used the space in between. Um, so... It was just a really good game, and um, and I'm so happy then that we that we scored that goal because if you have kind of felt like 70% possession, I don't know how much it was, but um, and then against a top 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 side, and it's a draw. Yeah, we would have taken it, but then Bobby, what a header! So um, yeah, just nice. How happy are you for Roberto Firmino? Oh. I'm over the moon for him. So what a game, how what he played in between the lines. And it's so difficult. He has to do these movements constantly, but you cannot play the ball that often to him because obviously Hoiberg was around him, wanted to catch him and all that stuff. So, But then he opens up all the other gaps for the, for the eight. So Curtis and and, and, and Gini, obviously, about the game, Sadio Mo, um, the fullback. So it's just a all-around really, really good performance. And um, so... That's why we have the three points. We saw you having a, a chat with Jose Mourinho at full time. Can you tell us what was that about? I, no, nothing really um, serious, but um, I think he said that himself now probably in the, in the interview, so, so I don't have to repeat it. All fine. So, but no argument over that. Okay.
Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, we know what he said because <laughs> he repeated it later, uh, whether Jurgen Klopp wants to dive into it. And it was interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Because Jose Mourinho said flat out afterward, the best team lost. Mm. Tim, we'll start with you. Did the best team lose? I think the best team lost. Uh, Tottenham were very good today. Styles make matchups, and Jurgen Klopp said there, uh, the best way to beat Tottenham is to keep the ball because when it turns over, they can hurt you. And Tottenham said, go ahead, have the ball, 76% possession, and then as soon as it turns over, what do we do? We hit you on a break. They ended up having the better of the chances. But my God, Liverpool have the heart of a champion. They were fantastic. They kept knocking on the door and not really surprised that at the end, they get the winner. But the best team in a game like that has to take those chances, Tim. Absolutely. So to be the best team, you've got to take those chances. And they didn't. And the best team has to defend a set piece. And they didn't. So I can't agree with that. The mm-hmm. best team lost? No. To enter the field, which is the most important part in the game of football, in critical moments, and listen, there's tiny margins. And he was right. They nearly won the game. If they would have taken the chance, the Bergwijn chance where he goes through, and they defend a set piece. That's twice now. The last two weeks, a week games, uh, Liam, at Crystal Palace, yep. a ball came in, set piece. They dropped points because of that. They've dropped a point today because of that. And they're not quite there yet. It looks like Spurs, in certain games, need more than one goal to get the win. So the last two games, they haven't. They got one point out of six based on some aerial challenges that they haven't defended very well. So they're close. And it was an incredible defensive rearguard display that we've seen before. But they're not quite secure enough to, to make it tight when they really, really need it. I want to just touch on a small detail because you, yeah. you, you brought it up a bunch today. The way that they set up, normally, Son is in that channel yeah. just behind Trent Alexander-Arnold, yeah. right? Yeah. That ended up being Burvine. Yeah. Both right. chances right. fell to him in that position. Yeah. And you said there in the highlights, if those, if those fall to Son where he usually is, yeah. it's game over. And there's a couple, just a couple of other little things, Liam, yeah. that he changed. You know, Lo played in the midfield in the second half. He didn't like that. Mm. Soko went back to being that guy mm. in the middle to try and stop Firmino and... And Jones, it's a fascinating game. So there are no perfect teams this season or teams even yeah. close to perfect teams. And we heard the guys talking about during the broadcast, right, 100 points, 99 points. Mm-hmm. That was winning the league the last few years. Not going to be the case this year. Are we seeing, though, two teams separate themselves from the pack? Because it's still tight in that top half. Uh, are, are you seeing these two teams as teams that will separate? I'm not so sure about that. Mm. I, I think right now they're the best two teams. There's a long way to go. 24, 25 games to go. Man City will get better, I mm. believe. Chelsea have had a little blip, but it, it's mm. very, very tight up there. And I think we saw today, this game could have kind of gone either way. Liverpool got the, the great header from Roberto Firmino, but I, I don't think we're going to see these two go into the distance. I'm not sure we're going to see anyone pull yeah. away. Where, where, where these two teams particularly are pulling away, certainly Liverpool is mentally. You know, they, they, they talked about it's a down season. They have these injuries. And they just keep turning out results slowly. They're putting, a, putting two teenagers on the field. They're getting results. And then Tottenham, look, they're, they're pulling away simply because their manager almost always sets them up to succeed. And, okay, today the result didn't go their way, but they're going to be in a position to win most games of play. Mm. And there's a tone set here, don't you think, by Jose Mourinho? Even in defeat. Well, Even in defeat. I mean, uh, and defiant. Yeah, defiant. He's a bad loser, which is mm-hmm. fine. That's, that's kind of where that comes from. You know, but by saying the best team lost, you know, I, I don't agree with that. And there's been many times where he has been defensive, defensive, and they've nicked a goal, you know, a set piece or a counter-attack that he's won games. You deserve to win a game if you put the ball in the back of the net. Liverpool did it twice to Spurs as one. 
All right, well, if the best team lost, then let's hear from some players from the second best team then, I suppose. <laughs> Trent Alexander, Arnold, Jordan Henderson as we head back to Anfield. Jordan, well done. It, it felt like a heavyweight clash watching it to play in. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a good game. Um, very tactical. Probably what you expected a little bit in terms of we, uh, us dominating with the ball, creating chances and then get done on the counter in the first half. So we'll be disappointed with that because we knew that was the case. Um, but overall, I thought the performance was outstanding. I thought we dominated for large periods with the ball, created some good chances um, and never never stopped. Kept going right until the end and got got the winner, which I think we deserved. And it's, it's a habit, a regular habit in this incredible home run you've had. Uh, but did, did you sense that it might just have passed you by tonight? Well, we just concentrate on keep going until the whistle goes, you know. We don't think about records of outcomes. We're here to win games and we don't stop until the final whistle, you know. Unfortunately, at the weekend, we didn't manage to find the winner. Today we did. Um, so I'm, I'm delighted with the lads. I thought the performance was, was outstanding and deserved the three points. Best performance of the season and the mark of champions, would you say, tonight? I'd say it's one of our best performances of the season. I think personally, you know, with the ball, without the ball, I thought counter-press was really good. Winning the ball back high up, relentless with the pressure. So, no, I'm, I'm over the moon, as you can see. Uh, and a word on your centre-back as well, making his Premier League debut tonight, Rhys Williams. Well, I told you before the game he'd been outstanding. And I'd hoped for the scene tonight, and he was he was outstanding again. I thought he was one of the best players on the park. One of one majority things in the air, defended. I can hear him talking all the time for such a young lad. So delighted for him. Um, but not just him. I thought, look, Fabinho next to him, the whole back four, and the whole team. To be honest. And you go back to the top, of course. And and, and what does it mean as well to to have done it by beating the team that were top and a, a little dent in their record. Well, again, we just want to focus on ourselves. I know we keep saying this and it might get boring, but we do. We focus on ourselves. And yes, um, it might give them a little doubt with it because we've got the three points. Um, but it's more about us and what we do. And we're delighted with the three points. And then our focus has got to be now on the weekend, which comes quick against Palace, who are a very good side, as, as you know, and got some very good results of late. So that'll be a tough test for us. Wow, that was some finish there, wasn't it? How'd you feel after that one? I think uh, we deserve to win. It's a game that we, we needed to win, really, uh, after dropping a few points um, on the weekend. Uh, it's an intense period, and I think all the teams around us dropped points um, over the last few games, so it's important for us to, to capitalise on that, and there's no better way to do it than uh, the team that you share top of the top of the table with, and um, it gives us a, a bit of space and puts us, puts us top of the table by ourselves. You had so much possession in that match. I think you were 80% in the first half. It wasn't too far behind in the second half as well. But did that bring a little bit of frustration? Your manager looked frustrated at times. The cop at times. Did it Did it come across to you? Uh, that's always going to happen when you have so much possession. And it's, it's against a team like Tottenham in the way that they play. And especially how they lined up today. It's always going to be tough to create chances. So that makes it, um, it emphasises a bit when you have so much possession. Uh, but... We knew what they were going to come in and do, and we had our game plan, we kept to it. Um, at the end, um, just goes to show that the, the, the set pieces are, are so important. I think we were frustrated to their maybe one lapse in concentration in the first half, and they've capitalised on it. Um, but uh, three points is three points, and that's what, we, that's what we wanted, and that's what we deserved.
And just finally then, obviously that three points is now the gap at the top. So it feels like the first time this season that there's been that kind of a gap at the top. How does it feel? Yeah, obviously it's good, but far from the end of the season, still a long way to go. Um, as the old cliche goes, but oh, it's where we want to be. It's where we we need to be as a team. Uh, we expect to be there. Um, we have the quality to be there. We showed that over the last few seasons. So um, not that it's no surprise, but it's um, it's good to be there. How much does an experience like tonight, is it part of the, the learning curve that ultimately makes title contenders? You know, I think the first thing that makes title contenders is is to go to every match um, to win it with, with that uh, ambition. And I promise you that the ambition is, uh, is there. If in any match you see us... Uh, not trying to win it is not because we, d we don't want or that's not our proposal is because the opponent pushes to different uh, situations i think that's the that's the first step but normally you have to kill matches of this dimension you know you have just just to kill it and uh, and the game was there we were in the face of uh, of the keeper two three times and um we just have to kill it. Uh, Steve Bergwin has has to face to face with the keeper. We have the the corner of, of Harry with the with the free header. We had other off counter attack situations that we didn't finish. We had it. We knew how to hurt, and um, and we should do much more than than we did. Dissect that in just a moment, but Tim, let's go through that game-winning goal one more time. Well, Tottenham haven't been brilliant on defending set pieces. Uh, they've conceded a couple times this season. Bobby Firmino looks, from first glance, to be completely free. And as we watch these replays, we'll see why. Henderson bumps off Dyer, who's on the ground. Alderweireld gets caught with two players, Williams and Firmino. Firmino's his, his uh, defender and his mark. But he gets drawn by Reese Williams around the back. So you see here, he gets caught with two players. Reese Williams catches his eye. He tries to move back to take Reese Williams. When he does, he leaves Bobby Firmino wide open, and that's the game winning goal. All right, bottom line for you is it a foul? You have to be tougher. There's a lot of tussling in the box. You'd like to think maybe Henderson nudges him, but. It's 90th minute. Dyer's, yeah. Dyer's got to be tough. He's also got to know that's coming. I don't think it's a foul. I mean, VR would have looked at that. Sure. He's just behind him. He just held his ground and bumped him. That was enough to, to throw him to the ground, which made all the difference. Just these little details. Uh, that time caught Spurs out. A different Jose Mourinho than we heard immediately following the match. Either way, though, still not going down the path of a moral victory. Come in there, expect to win. And you know, it seems to be, it's just the belief he has right now that this seems to be a team trending towards a title contender. Well, what Jose Mourinho is, is brilliant at, aside from setting his teams up tactically to be hard to beat, is he plays the long game in terms of the mind, the mind games, the, the psych psychological side of football. You saw there how he reacted in the week about Tottenham's injuries and saying certain players weren't injured. <laughs> after the game, Liverpool's uh, after the game, him, him and Klopp having a yep. bit of a argument, so to speak. He's never going to let up. He's relentless on this, and so he's always playing this game, keeping people high and low, and even the players in his own dressing room. But he needs others to score goals mm. in his team. No player's got more than one Premier League goal, apart from Son and Harry Kane. Stephen Bergwijn had two 
one particularly brilliant chance to score and didn't. He's got no Premier League goals so far this season, Bergwijn. So, you know, I, I had a note about it before the game. It's brilliant what Son and Harry Kane are doing. It's outstanding. But there's got to be some other goals from different parts of the side. And Tim made a point that, that Son normally plays on that left-hand side. I think it's tough to kind of, you know, second-guess everything that he did because his game plan was pretty solid throughout, um, apart from that set-piece and, and expecting Bergwijn to score. Jose's counter-attacking sides need his forwards to be clinical mm. because they don't get that many looks mm. given the defensive nature of how he sets up. Is it someone from within who has to step up or do they have to look elsewhere to get that I think, secondary I think score? someone within. Yep. You know, it's got to be Bergwijn or we're going to see Deli Ali. Tim mm. would, be a, would be somebody that could burst onto the scene and score more goals. We thought Gareth Bale with that mm. signing might be the guy to bring in more goals to support Son and Kane. You know, I, I don't know whether you can win a title based on two, two scorers and everybody else just adding very small numbers. Yeah, I think the disappointment probably is the Gareth Bale move. We were just so excited to see yeah. him, and he hasn't been utilized. And quite frankly, in a Jose Mourinho system, a guy like Gareth Bale doesn't do the dirty work on the mm-hmm. other side of the ball to earn his place in the team, as mm-hmm. great as he is. This incredible record you've got of having I mean, never been relegated, even despite some of the predicaments you've been thrown into with clubs, shall we say. Um, how does the size of the challenge here compare with Crystal Palace, Sunderland, Blackburn, maybe? I think it's about the, I think it's about the same. You know, that when there were different times I went in, but very similar times. You know, upsets my wife that I keep taking the job just before Christmas, of course, but uh, she understands what I'm like. Um, but it's similar times. Sunderland, uh, Sunderland was a bit sooner than, than Palace, and Palace is about the same time as, as, as West Brom. And uh, I think what we have got uh, t- to do is manage our way through this amount of games over Christmas and New Year, coping with the pandemic, and um, me trying to learn the players' strengths and weaknesses as quickly as possible, and, and working a way to to give the players an opportunity to win as many football matches as possible as quickly as I possibly can. Now that's worked differently at different football clubs. Sunderland it, it worked it worked quite well early on and then we had a and a dip. Um, Crystal Palace I didn't win for six games. Um, so everybody was saying I was the wrong man for the job but finally overcame that that situation. Um, so I think that what we've got to try and hope, or what I have to try and hope for, is the stimulation of a new manager, as we all know on occasions, can lift a team to perform and play well enough to win a game. And that's with little or no influence from the new manager, other than he's a new manager, and then players say, I have to play my best because I want that manager to pick me. Now, if we can get that response come Sunday and from there on, that is absolutely fantastic. Sam Allardyce from just a few moments ago. Welcome in studio, Ahmed Farid, Robbie Musto, Tim Howard. Guys, let's get into it. So what can West Brom fans anticipate here? What are they going to get from Big Sam? You have the experience of playing against teams that were managed by Sam. What was that like for you, Tim? It was miserable and it was horrible. <laughs> he, Big Sam comes into a football club and he makes it tough. Tough on the opponent, makes it ugly. He turns the game into a scrap and he asks a lot of questions of opposing defenses and as a goalkeeper and you're the, you're the head of that it's a long long day because he has this blueprint and the way he operates is he says 
get the first ball up the field. Long ball. Don't pass it. First ball up the field. Anything that not gets knocked down or cleared out, put the next ball back in and keep asking questions. Eventually, we'll earn a foul. We'll get the ball inside the opponent's box. Keep a clean sheet. If there's an offside somewhere, he puts the ball down, gets all of his defenders up the pitch, puts it in the box. You continually ask these questions, and as, as ugly as it feels, and it is, there's, there's a science to this. He plays percentages. He says, if I can get the ball in the opponent's penalty area, more often than not, mistakes will happen and chances for us will be created. So you can make the argument that West Brom is moving on too quickly from Slavin Bilic, and mm-hmm. you made that argument yeah. yesterday, yeah. Robbie. But looking at what this team has on this, on this roster and the talent level that they currently have, they may add to it, mm. is Sam a better fit? for the, the roster than Slavin Bilic? Well, it's a tough question, and I'd say yes, he is, but only just. And only just because Slavin Bilic knows these players and that it's a championship team that's been promoted. And that's the key difference here. That's an important difference to this job with Sam Allardyce or the other teams that on that list that he's helped before had more Premier League experienced players. They know how to stay up. They've done it before. They, they weren't newly promoted sides. This is different. And maybe some of these players aren't ready to play at the Premier League level. He's got to figure that out. So of all the things that he's done, and his blueprint and his simplifying football, which he does, and get it long and no risks in your own half, this is different because these players, we don't know whether they can handle the Premier League and can do it enough to get the points required. And it's going to be an incredible fight down there because there's, there's teams down there that you expect to do better. Burnley, maybe Brighton. There isn't many that he can catch. So the combination of that, and the fact this is a, a different job because it's a newly promoted team, for me, makes it, I, I tell you, I think it would be very difficult for him to do his job as he's done before and keep the team in the league. And I, don't, and I agree with you. I don't think that these are Premier League-type players. He will bring in, no, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he will bring in a centre-half, a big strong, but, but, a big how strong many, how many, how, I just wonder how much money he'll be given. Oh, he, he Slavin Bilic was, was unhappy about the support from he, the board. Sam Allardyce is one of the biggest wheelers and dealers, so yeah. he'll get some mm-hmm. deals in. These don't have to be proper players. They just have to be system players. And look, I think West Brom have enough talented footballers that when the ball does fall down and drop to the edge of the box, mm-hmm. they can make something happen. And look, West Brom isn't a big enough club to just go saying we, we want to play expansive football. They need to stay in the league. Yeah, they've conceded 26 goals, the, the, the league's highest amount. Uh, that's two, I think, two goals every single game. That mm. will change. That's what you can guarantee. Absolutely. He will make them stronger defensively for sure. And they did say at the press conference it may be difficult to spend a lot of money bringing yeah. in new mm. players. It's the current constructs of the, the Premier League right now. Revenues down throughout the league. So we'll see what changes they can make under their new manager. So that, of course, is some big news. We got some other big news here today. Some keynotes from the Premier League shareholders meeting today. Now, there have been calls, most notably from Jurgen Klopp, for the league to go back to allowing five subs. That's not going to happen it's going to stay at three and starting this weekend however teams will be allowed though to name nine players on the bench that is up from seven also the premier league said they'll apply for permission from ifab the game's lawmakers to take part in the concussion subs trial the league will look to implement protocols which will allow up to two subs for players uh, who actually or suspected to have a concussion in the match those concussion subs can be made regardless of how many subs the team has already made. These protocols could be implemented as early as January. Elsewhere, 
The FA did charge Manchester United's Edinson Cavani with misconduct in relation to a social media post he made last month. The post contained a Spanish term that can be considered racist language. Both United and Cavani have said that there was no malicious intent behind the post, which Cavani deleted and apologized for as soon as it was explained to him that it can be interpreted a little bit differently. Cavani could be given a suspension if found guilty. He has until January 4th to respond to the charge. Uh, so uh, there's a couple interesting angles here. We'll start with the Manchester United side of it here, Tim Howard. And this is a Manchester United club that now jumps ahead of Chelsea. We've been pretty positive about Chelsea mm-hmm. so far this year. Manchester United ahead of them in the table with one fewer games. Have we been too hard on Manchester United? Well, yeah, maybe a little too hard. This season looks a bit odd and strange and different. We talk about yesterday, we talked about Liverpool not being up, up to snuff and, and Tottenham being better. But really, Liverpool top of the table. And, and this seems very similar. Chelsea spent all this money, and they're, they're the team that everyone's looking at. And Manchester United kind of just not talked about, and yet, boom, they leapfrog them. And so we talked earlier, the consistency at home, if they can get, they can get that right. I mean, clearly they're, they're winning football games away. If they can win at home, now you're really talking about top four. Having said that, they did have some hairy moments <laughs> against the worst team in the Premier League Well, today. yeah. I, I, I think the, the play leading up to that corner, it wasn't actually a corner for Sheffield United, mm-hmm. but they got the goal. But you're right, there was a few uh, difficult moments. But for the most part, they were so much far the better side in this game. Um, they enjoyed the time and the space that Sheffield United gave them. Sheffield United started pretty quickly in the first 10 minutes. They get a boost of the goal. And then quickly they kind of dwindled, became more passive. Pogba's got acres in midfield, mm. plays those passes. Rashford like, was just running through for fun. Um, so a good day again for Manchester United. Can they keep this momentum going? And, and, and Tim's absolutely right. It's the home form. Next home game, Leeds United. I mean, can't wait for it mm-hmm. already because of, of what we've seen Leeds United do. So... Listen, United can have a go at the title. If it's going to be tough at the top, if teams are going to lose games like they've seen and be inconsistent, I know Liverpool have done pretty well and may get better mm. with injuries coming back. You still never know. There's so many games. In February, March, the Champions yeah. League comes back in to, to, to play again. United, can they stay towards the top of the league? Over on the Sheffield United side, Tim, they have given a vote of confidence to Chris Wilder, the ownership group saying that his job is secure no matter what happens from here on out. Do you agree with that? I don't agree with it to the extent that that sends a really odd message to the players. You've got one point uh, after 13 games, and and you're not playing particularly well. The manager isn't filling me as a player with a load of confidence, and yet our owner comes out and goes, yeah, no matter what, he'll, he'll, he'll be the manager. It just, it just seems like everything's a bit flat around that football club at the moment. That more comfortable than perhaps the <laughs> scoreline would suggest? Uh, no, I don't think so. It wasn't comfortable at all towards the end because they, they always put you under pressure and uh, make it difficult for you. We, we made it difficult for ourselves again with a slow start. Then we played some fantastic, uh, absolutely brilliant stuff and fantastic football at time. Three great goals. And then uh, they scored from a corner. That obviously wasn't a corner, but still, uh, when they get that goal, uh, it's not very comfortable at the end. What is it about you away from home? Ten consecutive wins away from home. Yeah. A bit of history as well. The sixth yeah. consecutive league game in which you've scored three times on the travels. Why yeah. does it come together for you away from Old Trafford? Well, <laughs> obviously we've got good players. And today I thought uh, we found the spaces in behind them really well. A couple, couple of great passes there from Victor and Paul, obviously for Anthony and uh, Marcus, the, f- the first two goals. And when you get... 
ahead, then uh, the third goal is a counter-attack. That's uh, a great one. So um, maybe teams... No, I don't know. I don't know. You mentioned Paul there. He was heavily involved in the third goal as well with a, a tremendous piece of skill yep. to start the move. You've had to, to deal with some negativity surrounding him off the field, but when he puts in performances like that on the field, does it all make you feel like it's worth it? <laughs> he's a Man, a Man United guy, you know. He's been at this club uh, when he was a kid as well and come back again, and this is his home. So uh, he enjoys playing for us, always gives everything for us. And both uh, in training and in the games. And uh, today I thought it was uh, exceptional. You made the decision to bring Dean Henderson in, in goal this evening. Yeah. Uh, five minutes in, the mistake that leads to Sheffield United's opener. What were you thinking at that point? Ah, well, that's uh, here's a test for you. It's a challenge. That's uh, that's. Uh, we uh, showed videos of Burke before. Uh, obviously, he's uh, one of the best pressers in the league with his pace and sprint, and he just dilly-dallied on the ball a little bit too much. So it was a good, bad and the ugly today for, uh, from, uh, from Dean because he made a fantastic save at the end. And in terms of results, you've had to deal with some negativity as, as well this season, but how do you assess your position now on the fringes of the top four with that game in hand and, and on, a, on a pretty decent run of form? No, we're, as you said, we're really good away from home, doing really well. We need to uh, sharpen up at home, obviously, so... Uh, Sunday will be a massive test for our boys. It's a big, big derby for us, and uh, we have to uh, have to get at it uh, in that game. Chris, it was a great start and a grandstand finish. Are you frustrated then in the end? A little bit. Um, the man of the two goals that we conceded. Um, I think we can look at ourselves first and foremost. Obviously, they'll look at it from from a great run and uh, a fabulous finish and a, a great ball by Pogba but I think we should do better I think we should with, see with the, the runs over the top I think you know we have to be brave we want to get up the pitch we want to make contact with good players that's what I said to the manager at the end I said we're not going to just stand off you like we did against Southampton we have to go and make contact with good players so to get that contact whether it's the midfield players or the front players or the back players we've got to get up the pitch so we have to take chances and we did but we should see that see the run out for the first goal and obviously the second goal I think maybe uh, Ramos can look at his starting position a little bit you know and, uh, and, and come and clear that so from the manner of the goals it's disappointing How key as well are the moments after you went 1-0 up uh, Berger gets injured and then you have the, you have the chance with John Fleck Yeah obviously disrupted us you know um, we started the game off on the, on the front foot um, I was pleased with the start that, that we had and obviously Xander's a big player for us so to lose him at that particular moment was disappointing and to change it, you know, we have a decision to make, you know, do we keep Basham there and bring somebody else on in the middle of the park and move Ethan out of there to, to, to play higher um, or we, or we go, go with Phil, so we, we went with Phil. Um, so that was a disappointing um, loss for us because he's, he's been a good player for us so far this season and, and, and obviously the chance... Uh, when we're not creating like bags of bag full of chances, especially you don't against Manchester United, when they do come around like the chance did for for John um, off his left foot, we're a little bit disappointed that he didn't make Dean work and, and possibly at the target. The, the board have said that they're going to back you. What chance the board will help you in January with some funds? With yeah, getting I mean, we talked about players. improving and trying to trying to bring a player or two in. 
Um, but we, you know, up to there, there's, 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 a, there's, there's, there's a few games that we need to get results in. I've got to say, I was pleased with the spirit. I, I was really disappointed on, um, on, on, on Sunday um, in the way, for the first time really, uh, in terms of the manner of the, of the performance. It was pretty passive, but tonight wasn't passive, and it was more of a Sheffield United performance. Um, got to tighten up and not give away daft goals and, and, and take opportunities when they come come around, which is which is what the Premier League's all about, big moments. But just sum up the need to get this win, to break the duck. Yeah, Because you, you are only eight points. After 13 games, you're still only eight points behind. Yeah, I mean, as, so, as we talked, yeah, we've talked about it. You know, there's, there's examples of teams going, you know, 12, 13, 14 games in this division and, and not win a game of football. But the longer it goes on, obviously, the more difficult it's become. But I think there's, there's definitely something to work with today. Um, as I said, you know, I feel we should be on more points, but we're not. That's the, the harsh, brutal facts and re- reality of it all is we are there for a reason and we haven't picked up enough points and we haven't took enough big moments. Um, but today, as, uh, tonight, as give, give, you know, myself and should give the players, you know, uh, a belief that if we do play in the manner that we've played, uh, especially out of possession, and, and, and you know, we we work hard and we compete and we try and play in in a way that that we try to, that this summer, this summer left in this season for us and more life for us, um, and. We're all in it for results. I, I completely get that, and our results haven't been good enough. Um, but tonight, I stick my head on the pillow knowing that my team's left everything out there, and, and the players do, and the supporters do. And uh, we have to produce that. That has got to be our stock performance uh, from now on in. Um, and hopefully, things will go our way. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.